Happy New Year, everyone. We are so glad you're here kicking off a brand new year with us. We know there are lots of other choices you could have made today to be other places, but you chose to be here. And maybe your prayers will help in that other place today. I don't know. Can't hurt, right? Uh, we, I'm so glad you're here. It's great to be back with you. I hope you had a wonderful holiday and enjoyed family over the Christmas uh, break and into the New Year's. I don't know about you, but I love I love the end of the year with uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and I love it for all the obvious reasons, Um, certainly the food and the family and those things, I love it for that. The music is great, and we had a great year this year with our, how many of you saw the singing Christmas tree? Anybody see, you're going to give them a round of applause and thank them for all the work they did? Man, that was awesome. Thank you all. Fantastic. But we had, a, we had just a great Christmas, but my, one of my most favorite things about the holidays has nothing to do with all of that. It, it just is a time out of the ordinary. Um, maybe some of you can relate to this, but it, you have a little extra time on your hands in different ways and, and quiet moments, and uh, you can just reflect and think through some things and, and maybe look back. If you're a goal setter, you, you might take some time and look back and say, what were my goals? What, you know, what, what did the Lord allow me to accomplish this year? And uh, what were some things that I'd hoped to accomplish? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Uh, maybe you take some time and reflect over family and some relationships. I don't know what it looks like for you. I know for me, usually with family, there's at some point we're going to look at some pictures or some videos, and I'm always amazed at, at sort of how my kids have grown over the time, you know, and I notice there's, you know, there's a, a little more gray, maybe a little more weight on me, and you see those changes uh, that you don't necessarily see day to day. You know what I'm talking about? Any of you on social media have that feed where you're like, on this day, you like, yeah, and so you can see pictures back from this day three years ago or four years ago or five years ago and in that instant you can see changes that you can't necessarily see moment by moment know what I'm talking about so you kind of think oh wow you know I I I I still have that ugly sweater I still wear that same ugly sweater from eight years ago (laughs) or whatever it is you you just kind of notice things in that sort of elapsed that condensed time that you don't necessarily notice on a daily on a daily basis and, and I think for us in the new year, that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to look back and say, where was I this time last year? Where was I this time five years ago? And where am I now? And what is God doing in my life? How, have I, how is he growing me and stretching me and challenging me? As a church, it's one of the things that we try to do too, is just reflect as a church. What is it that we're doing and how are we doing it as it relates to what God has called us to do? Our mission as a church is pretty simple, to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, that is not a unique mission for us as a church. In fact, it's a mission that Jesus himself gave to every, every believer. He, when he was leaving, he said, hey, you are to go make disciples of all nations. That's the mission. That's what he's given us. And so as a church, we just ask ourselves, how are we doing in that mission? How are we accomplishing this? And how have we done that? How have we partnered with God in, in, uh, in reaching out to our community over the past year. And, and if we are called to uh, lead people to become disciples, to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, then it's important for us to understand what it means, what discipleship really is all about. What is discipleship? And so this morning, I, I want to talk to you uh, about this simple definition. We're going to put it up on the screen, and if you're a note taker, you can uh, fill out some notes and, uh, and follow along. But this is a disciple. Discipleship Discipleship is the process. Notice it doesn't say that it is the instant or the moment. It's a process. Process implies that it takes time. 
meaning that you may not see a difference from one day to the next, but maybe when you look back over four years or three years or two years or just one year, maybe you can notice a difference. A difference. Discipleship is a process of learning the teachings of Jesus in the scriptures and following his example in obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that, that definition is not a complicated definition. It's a very simple definition, but it's not an easy definition. Discipleship is a process of learning. It means that every day, every moment, every year, we are on a journey following Jesus. And every moment, every year, every month, we're either moving closer towards him or we're lagging farther behind or maybe we've even gone off on another path. But it is a process. And so it makes it very difficult in any moment to, to see how am I doing. But with, this, with the perspective of time, sometimes we can catch a glimpse. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing uh, to the church at Corinth, he said this, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I love that verse. One degree of glory to another. See, here's what is true for me, and I would guess it's true for most of you. On any given day, I don't necessarily feel like I am doing a great job of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Now, some days, some days, I'm like, yeah, I think I got it. But then I've got pride, right? So then I failed. So it, it, it's like some days, I'm, some days I feel like, well, maybe I'm getting closer. But then there are many days that I look around, I'm like, you know, have I made any progress at all? You know, am I any more like Jesus today? I just blew it with my kids, or I just, you know, blew it in the, you know, in the traffic, sitting, sitting at JTB in, in 95. I, wherever it is for you, wherever that place is, and you realize in that moment, you think, am I really becoming more like him? But then I read what the Apostle Paul said. We're being transformed in one degree, from one degree to the next. So here's the, here's the question for you. Are you more like Jesus on January 7th, 2018, than you were on January 7th, 2017. You see, you may not be able to see it just from one day to the next or one month to the next, but what about in a year? From the perspective of a year, if you were to take some time and reflect, do you look more like Jesus? Are you more Christ-like today than you were a year ago, four years ago, five years ago? Now, for some of you, that may be encouraging. Some of you, I know your stories, and you have come to faith in Christ even within this past year. You've followed him in baptism. You've gotten involved in small groups, and you are growing. And you can say, definitely, I'm not there yet, but I'm definitely closer today than I was a year ago. For others of you, maybe like me, you've been journeying with Jesus a long time, and sometimes your path goes like this, right? I mean, sometimes you're, you're moving closer, and sometimes you feel like maybe you're, you're drifting back. But here's an even better question. Then the question, do I look more like Jesus today than I did a year ago? This question might be the most important question you can ask yourself at the beginning of a new year. If the Lord allows you to see 2019, will you be more like Jesus on January 7th, 2019 than you are on January 7th, 2018? Now, here's why that question is a better question and a more important question. Because there's nothing you can do about what did or didn't happen in 2017. You can't do anything about it. 
But what you can do is you can look and say, okay, am I putting myself on a path? Am I setting out on a journey so that when this year is up and when this question is asked again on, I think it'll be January 6th, 20, I don't know if the calendar works. It should be January 6th or January 8th. I don't know how they, which way will it be? Somebody knows? 8th? Okay, it goes the other way. So it'll be January 8th. When I ask this question, if the Lord allows me to stand here in front of you on January 8th, 2019, and I ask this question again, do you want the answer to be yes or no? Well, you want to, yes, that doesn't sound very convincing. I'm not sure you're going to make it. I mean, come on, we want it to be yes, right? I mean, we say that right now, we want the answer to be yes, that we will grow in our faith, we will make changes in order to conform, to be more conformed to the image of the glory of Christ. But here's what I know is true. I know it's true about me, and I'm guessing it's true about you. Unless I am intentional, unless I set out with intent, that will never happen. I will drift towards complacency. Unless I am intentional about setting out a journey where I will follow after Christ and seek to draw nearer to him, I will not become any closer. So here's what we're doing as a church. We are setting out in 2018 for an entire year on a mission that we're calling Journey to Discipleship. Now, this year will have lots of different things in it. We'll talk more about that later. But we are starting off next Sunday with a series called The Disciples' Journey. And in this series, we're going to look at the first five books our first five chapters of the book of Acts. And we're going to look at some of the disciplines and habits that the early Christians had when they were seeking to follow after Jesus. Jesus had already left, ascended back to heaven. What did those first disciples do in order to become more like him? And we're going to look at that for the next several weeks. But before we get to that, before we look at those principles that we're going to take a look at over the next five weeks, I thought it would be important today to talk about the very invitation that Jesus issues to us. His issue to us was not to become Christians. His issue to us, his invitation to us was not to even join the church, although both of those things are important. His invitation to his first disciples and his invitation to us is to come and, say it with me, follow me. That's his invitation. What it means to be a disciple of Jesus, it means that you are someone who is in the process of learning the teachings of Jesus in the scriptures in order that you might obey them and follow him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about. You see, there is no way that you can ever simply gain enough knowledge about Jesus or learn enough about the Bible or faith in order to become a disciple. Because there is no category in the Bible for believing in Jesus apart from following him. Let me say that one more time. There is no category for believing in Jesus apart from following Jesus. You see, you can study and you can learn and you can gain all the facts and all the information, but unless you begin to put one foot in front of the other and follow after him on the journey, you will not be his disciple. You'll just be somebody who knows a lot about him. So we're going to start this conversation by considering Four ways that we respond to Jesus' invitation to follow him. There are four basic ways from the very first disciples, the very first people that Jesus invited to say, come follow me, until 2,000 years later where we're sitting today, there are four basic responses that we have to Jesus' invitation. And Jesus himself told us what those four responses are. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. We'll be looking at uh, beginning in verse 1. 
Because even though everything in the world has changed, technology, all kinds of things have changed, our response to this invitation is still basically the same. This is what Jesus said. That same day, Jesus went out from the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no roots, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, now, after Jesus said this thing to the crowd, the disciples are sitting there, you know, Andrew like, looks over at Peter and says, did you understand anything he just said? And Peter's like, I didn't understand anything. And the guys, they're, they're confused. They don't understand what he's saying. The crowd's kind of confused. They don't necessarily get it. There's a blank stare on their faces. I understand what that feels like. I see that at least once a week in front of a crowd. <laughs> and and so, so, he, so there's, there's this, they don't understand what's going on. So they say, Jesus, hey, you know, I mean, we get it, but help us know how we can explain it to the other folks in the crowd. And so Jesus takes it apart. And in verse 18, he says this, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches, it, snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And so Jesus explained the parable. He basically said there are four ways people are going to respond to the message of the gospel. There are four ways that people are going to respond to Jesus' invitation to follow after him. And I want to take a look at each of these four ways. The first one is this, tuned out. You're going to be tuned out. This is the seed that fell along the path. Uh, they didn't have you know, concrete sidewalks in the days of Jesus and the disciples, but there were walking paths that over the years and over the months would have been compacted down over and over again with feet and you know, the, the uh, animals walking down them, and they would have gotten hard and rocky. And basically what Jesus is saying is, is as the farmer is going down that path and some of the seed falls on that, rocky pa- on that uh, hard ground, it doesn't take root. There's nothing for it to hold on to. It, it doesn't grow at all. It doesn't ever begin even to, to take root as a plant at all. And so what we understand is that these are the people who hear the word of God, but they don't understand it, or they ignore it altogether. Someone who isn't open to spiritual conversations. I don't know about your family, but I've got family members who are like that. And so it's, it's really difficult when you have the job that I have, because there's always this sort of 
tension in the air. There's a little bit of tension, like, okay, is he going to start preaching to us or something? Like, you know, like I walk around my house preaching all the time. That's what I do. And so they, they've got, they've got a, there's a little bit of, you know, there's, sometimes there's a little bit of distance. But, but here's, here's what's true. If a spiritual conversation comes up, there is a, there's just a blank look that comes over their face. You know, you've know, you got maybe friends like this or, or relatives like this. And, and there, there's no openness. There, there's no willingness to listen. They're tuned out to spiritual conversations. And here's what is true about those folks. They are not beyond hope. They're not beyond the reach of God. But it will require you to intentionally pray. I have seen it happen in my own family. Where there was somebody who who fit this description. They were totally tuned out. And God used the most amazing circumstances to somehow open their hearts to be receptive to the message of the gospel. But for where they are right there, they are tuned out. The second category, after tuned out, is those who are knocked out. Knocked out. These are the seeds that fell on the rocky soil. It sprang up quickly with joy, it says, but then immediately it fell down. Notice the, notice the, the words that deal with the, the rate. It sprang up quickly and it immediately fell down. These are folks who come to faith in Christ. They're, they're on fire. And then, you know, they, like you think they're going to storm hell with a water pistol. Like they, this, these people, they're... And then, like, two months, you don't even know where they are. Like, you, you don't know. And then you see them somewhere, and they're like, what, what? I don't, Christian, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, they've walked away. And here's what Jesus said about those folks. This is why. Because they grew up quickly in their faith, they were not firmly rooted, and the minute trials and difficulty came, the minute it got hard, they stopped. The minute challenges came their way, they gave up. They can't withstand trial. They can't withstand persecution. I have been at parts of our world, some of you have been there with me or on your own on short-term mission trips, where literally if you decide to follow Jesus, you will not get a job. You will, you will never get a job in that city because you are a Christian. Your family will very likely disown you, and your life may very well even be at great risk. And what Jesus is talking about, he is talking about people who, when they spring up in their faith, but then they face the persecution, they face the trial, they fall away quickly. They don't understand the fundamental truth of the Christian faith is that you will, you will face trials. You will face difficulties. You will face persecution. Becoming a Jesus follower does not exempt you from the challenges and struggles of the world. In fact, many would argue it only makes it harder. Think about even the very idea of the person we are following, Jesus. When he said, come follow me, he said, take up your cross and follow me. And Jesus led the way, all the way through persecution, a trial. He was crucified, betrayed by friends. Think about if you go back in the Old Testament. Think about Moses. Moses was, uh, was a fugitive from the law. He, he uh, was somebody who spent 40 years out in the desert tending sheep. And then when he comes back to, to do what God called him to do, his own people reject him. He, he's got an awful job leading them for 40 years through the desert. Jeremiah, a prophet of God. Jeremiah was somebody that God had used to speak to the nation of Israel. And yet Jeremiah ended up at the bottom of a pit, left for dead. I mean, this, this is just a normal thing that happens when you are following God. John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus. I mean, ultimately, John the Baptist was beheaded at the request of a stripper. I mean, these are people who, who lived real lives and suffered real pain and agony in their pursuit of following after God. The Apostle Paul, 
The Apostle Paul, the greatest church planner the world has ever known, wrote more than half of your New Testament. Listen to what Jesus said about Paul. I will show him how much he must suffer for the glory of my name. Well, thanks a lot, Jesus. Right? I mean, I mean this, is, this is what it means. This is what they face. It's what we face. Peter, the, the, the Apostle Peter. Uh, church tradition has it that Peter was crucified upside down. The Apostle John was boiled in oil. And when that didn't kill him, they put him on the island of Patmos and left him for dead. I mean, this is, what, this is what following Jesus results in as an example in the Bible. And so when we place our faith in Jesus and when we accept the invitation to follow him, we should not be surprised that trials and difficulties come with the invitation. It's inevitable. It's part of it. And it doesn't mean that the trials and the challenges and the difficulties of life shouldn't shake you or make you upset. I mean, they will. But it does mean you have to be aware of it. And this is where it is so important when we understand the invitation that Jesus is extending to us to follow him. If we do not understand the Bible, if we do not have a deeply rooted faith in the scripture, if our theology isn't strong, we will not have the depth to withstand the trials and the challenges that will inevitably come. I have got a a friend who was passionate follower of Jesus. And then almost within 24 hours, was no longer a Christian. Said, I'm not a Christian. I'm an atheist. And when you begin to talk to this person, you begin to understand, okay, um, the marriage didn't work out the way the person wanted it to. The kids didn't turn out the way. The career didn't take off the way it wanted to. Finances weren't the way he wanted them to be. Nothing in his life turned out the way he wanted it to be. And because it wasn't the way he wanted it to be, Jesus must have failed him. And so Christianity doesn't work. But see, he didn't understand what it meant to follow Jesus. Because I don't care what popular preachers are saying or what they're writing in their books. Jesus does not offer you your best life now. He offers you a full and abundant life. And he offers you something better than that, an eternity with him. But if you buy into the lie that somehow following Jesus is going to solve all your problems, you will be somebody who is knocked out. When the first blow comes your way, when the first challenge comes your way, you'll be out. Because it is not what you signed up for. So we have people who are tuned out, we have people who are knocked out, and then we have people who are choked out. This is the seed that falls among the thorns. And Jesus said that the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choke this seed out, and basically it it doesn't grow. These are people that you and I know who are subdued and rendered spiritually unconscious. This may be people who are even in this room right now. And you don't even know it. Because the cares and the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world are so, so seductive that we don't even realize how we are slowly drifting into unconsciousness. That's why these are the people who are choked down. And and what happens is, as we get more invested in the cares and concerns of the world, we begin to try to manipulate our circumstances. Now, I know nobody in this room tries to control their circumstances, but just hypothetically, in case somebody here is a control freak, this is what happens, isn't it? You begin to think about how can you control the situation? How can you control the outcome? How can you manipulate? How can you cajole? How can you convince? 
And suddenly, you, in many ways, are putting yourself in the position of God in the circumstances of your life because you are trying to control all the outcomes. And one of the ways we try to do it is by, by believing the lie that our money buys us influence into accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish. Jesus said about money that you cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. You're going to hate one and love the other. You can't have two masters, one or the other. But the more consumed we become with the cares of this world, the more consumed we become with the deceitfulness of wealth, the easier it is to drift away from following Christ. You know, I don't know if you thought about this, but do you realize the more disposable income that we have, it becomes a greater distraction to following Jesus because we can do what we want when we want, with who we want, where we want. And so we, you know, we take extra trips, we do things, and we slowly, we find ourselves seeking pleasure more than we're seeking following Christ. And we're too busy to do the things that are required for us to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And we say, well, I can't do it because we're so busy because of the cares of this world are pulling you away. I read an interesting study not too long ago that said that Americans today have more leisure time, more discretionary time than at any point in all human history. And yet how many of you feel like you are really, really busy? Isn't that funny? Isn't that interesting? This whole article was about this. It was about how in the United States in 2017 then, 2018 now, they they did this study about how because of uh, the wealth of our culture, because of just technology, uh, because of transportation, we have more discretionary time. It's about 30% of our time is discretionary time. And that by far is higher than any other country in any other time in all of history. And so why are we so busy? Why do, why do we feel so rushed? And the answer, the article, the author of the article said, because what we have done is we have taken that time. It has become more and more precious to us. We guard it with greater intensity, and we seek to suck out of it all the pleasure and selfish joy that we can. And so we become very, very, very greedy about this time that we have. And so there's never enough. So the reality is that if we don't have enough time to invest in following after Jesus, it's not because there is less time in a day than there used to be. Lots of things change, but there's still 24 hours in one day. The question is, where are our priorities? And so the seed that is knocked out is seed that falls and gets tangled up in all the cares and concerns of the world. And we begin to drift away from God. And here's what is true. And this is so convicting to me. And I, this, if this message is, is convicting to you, just know I've had to live with it for about three weeks now. So I've been convicted for three weeks. I'm glad to get it off my chest and share it with you. Because, because this is, I think this is absolutely true. No one drifts towards obedience in Jesus. No one drifts towards discipleship. It just doesn't happen. Listen to what the theologian D.A. Carson said. I love this quote. People do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, that is a great phrase, apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, and obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. Now, the words grace-driven effort are very interesting because he's not denying the fact that, that following Christ, salvation is a free gift. 
that God gives us. You can't earn it, no matter how good you are, no matter how much you read your Bible, no matter how much you come to church. But he recognizes that there has to be some effort on our part part in actually following Jesus. That's why he says grace-driven effort. It's not effort in order to earn my salvation, but it is effort in response to the grace that God has given me. He goes on and he says this, we drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Can I get a witness? Right? I mean, isn't that, I mean it's like he's reading my mail. Because if you're not paying attention, you slowly drift away. This is what it means to be choked out and rendered spiritually unconscious. And church, listen to me. I love you, but many of you have been rendered spiritually unconscious. You have been rendered spiritually unconscious because the cares and concerns of this world have so distracted you. And they have so pulled you away from your relationship with Christ that you don't even realize that you're gasping for breath. And you know when you'll realize it? You'll realize it when the marriage falls apart. You'll realize it when, the, when there's a crisis. The next time a problem comes and suddenly you'll realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, where am I? You'll wake up. It'll be like a, a bucket of cold water thrown in your face and you'll realize how far away you've drifted. Because you have drifted, you've been, you've been caught up and entangled in the cares and concerns of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, that's the bad news. Aren't you glad you came to church? Go Jaguars. A year long, here's, here's what we want to do. We want, we want to invite you to go with us on a year long deep dive into discipleship. And here's what is true. If you do not make this decision today, you will find yourself, if the Lord gives you time, you will find yourself in the year 2019 and you will not only not look more like Jesus, you may have drifted further and further away. And so at this point of the journey, making a decision is really, really important. We're going to look at the book of Acts, the entire book of Acts. We're going to divide it up into three different sermon series. We're going to start with the first one next Sunday and look at the, spirit, at the, uh, at the disciples' journey And we'll spend the first few weeks looking at that. We're also going to have a personal discipleship conference in mid-February. If you want to know what are the tools you need in order to walk this journey every day. If you were going to go on a hike, you would pack things that you needed for the journey. Well, you need some tools in your bag if you're going to follow after Jesus. And so we've invited Dr. Mark Searby. He was the head of the doctoral ministry program at Beeson Divinity School, we've invited him to come. He is going to lead us in a conference on spiritual disciplines and how to apply them. That'll be in mid-February. We're also going to provide you some material that if you are interested in in what it means to have an in-depth daily time with God, but you don't know how to do it. We've got some material that we can provide for you through our small groups that you can do in small groups or one-on-one mentoring. Uh, You can do it on your own, but it's better with groups. But we want to give you some tools in your hand to help you on this journey. And of course, we wouldn't want all of you to be involved in a small group if you're not already involved in a small group, because that is key uh, to, to, to this journey, is going on the trip with other people. 
Uh, in 2018, we are, we are providing you with this book that's inside your bulletin today. It's called A Journey to Discipleship. And here's, uh, here's, here's the first step. Just read this. That's all. Just read this. Uh, this was compiled by several, di- we pulled together several different um, things from different authors. But one of the things that you'll notice in here, you'll see a map that gives you an outline of what we're going to do on this year-long journey to discipleship. But then this section that is in the middle uh, was written by David Platt. And it has some very provocative questions. And, and here's, here's what will happen. If you will read these questions, you will find the questions disturbing and you won't like them. And here's what else is true. You will like your answers even less. But by answering the questions, look at me, look up here, look up here. By answering these questions, by answering these questions, you will discover, I believe, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what it is you need to do to take your next steps of discipleship. But you're going to have to read it. Some of you won't do that. Some of you won't do that because you're tuned out and you haven't even heard anything I've said. Not much I can do about you. Some of you, some of you will start it, but you'll get knocked out. Like you're already excited. Like you're already, get, you got your pen out. What's the first question? I'm going to answer it right now. But what will happen is some, some difficulty will come in your life and, and it's going to sideline you and you're going to get knocked out. And you're such a type A control person that the minute you miss one thing, you're out altogether, right? Even though if you miss a meal, you don't stop eating. But yet somehow, somehow the minute you fall short, you pull yourself out of the game. Some of you, some of you will start this, but you will get choked out. Because right now you're even thinking, I don't have time to do that. I mean, if you, if, if you understood my life, you would understand. I, I, don't, I do not have time to do that. It's amazing how we find time for the things that we think are important, don't we? So when is following Jesus going to be important to you? When's it going to be important? The other thing that you'll notice at the front of this is we're inviting everybody to take the 365 Challenge. The three six five challenge, and here's the the, the card that's in your uh, inside there as well goes with this. Uh, we want you to take this home and think about this, pray about this. We're going to have a commitment Sunday on Sunday, February eleventh, for those of you who are going to accept the challenge. But the three six five challenge is this: three, three people this year that you're going to share the gospel with. I don't just mean that you're going to invite them to the Christmas production. I mean that you are going to share the story of your faith, how you were far from God. And how you placed your faith in Jesus Christ and how he has transformed your life and how that same invitation is available for them. Three people in 2018. 36. With God's help, you're going to be in church. 36 out of 52 weeks. Now you think, some of you, I can already see it on your face. You're like, what? Lightweights? But listen, the average church attender now comes to church less than 1.77 times a month. That's the average church attender. Less than 1.77 times a month. Listen, this is, you cannot, you cannot accomplish the mission that Jesus has given you as a church if your most committed people come to church less than twice a month. You just can't do it. You cannot do it. And you cannot grow in your faith if you separate yourself from the body of Christ for extended periods of time. You need the church, and the church needs you. I'm not being legalistic here. Many of you who know me well know I am not legalistic. You think, well, you sure could fool me because you sound awful legalistic today. No, I love you. And that's why I want you to understand, if you find yourself not able to come to church 36 times out of 52 weeks, 
there's a good chance you are being choked out. Now, I'm not talking about health issues. I get all that, okay? I'm not, I'm not being unreasonable. But, but, but really, where's your priority? There are people around you. Some of you who are fully devoted followers of Christ, there are people around you who need you. They need you to mentor them. They need you to disciple them. They need you to encourage them. You can't do that if you're not here. Okay? We still love each other? All right. 36. 365. 365. I want you to challenge yourself to spend quality time with God every day. Every day. Now, here's what I know because it's true for me. There's going to be a day and some, the wheels come off the bus and you get to the end of the day and you realize you hadn't done it. Or you wake up the next day and you realize you didn't do it. Okay. You just get up and try again. That's all. 365 days. Bible study. Read your Bible. A verse a day. Sign up for the verse of the day from, from you version. Uh, do, do something where you are in God's word every day. Pray every day. Spend time every day. And here's, here's what's going to happen. If you will take this challenge, if you will join us on this, on this journey, um, you, will find, you will find at the end of this year that you have grown. And when you look at the snapshot of yourself from January 7th, 2018 to January 8th, 2019, you'll be like, huh, it sure didn't feel like I was growing. But little bit by little bit, one degree to the next, you will be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. See, there is no category for believing in Jesus apart from following him. His invitation for you is to follow him on this journey. Will you accept it? And everybody here today is going to fall in one of these four categories. You've either already tuned me out, you've dismissed everything I've said, and you've got all your reasons for doing it, and that's fine. Some of you, some of you will be knocked down, or you've already been knocked down. And you've, you were excited at the beginning of your journey, but real life started happening, and the trials and the obstacles that came along have rendered you ineffective. And you've allowed them to sideline you. Some of you have been choked down. And you know you should do this. You know you need to do this. But you're already realizing that you don't have the time. And you, if you're honest, you care too much about the other things of this world to make the time to do it. But then finally, finally, and this is who I'm talking to today, there's a fourth category. And that's those of you who are sold out. A few of you who will do it. A few of you who will put this into practice. And here's Jesus' promise to you. You will go on and bear fruit. That's the promise. You won't get to the end of your year, the end of a decade, the end of your life with nothing to show for it. There will be an abundance of fruit. And it will not happen instantly. It will happen gradually, step by step, as you follow Jesus on the journey. So the question is, will you come on the journey? Will you follow Jesus? I'm not asking you to follow a plan. We're trying to give you some tools, but you understand that these tools by themselves are not the answer. They're simply, they're simply things that we're designing to try to help you on this journey, to help all of us on this journey. Will you follow Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus' invitation to follow him. And, and Lord, we don't want to soft sell this invitation and make it sound like it's something that it's not. But to face with reality the challenge that it means 
to live in such a way that day by day we are willing to subject ourselves um, to what it means to be transformed into the image of Jesus. That there are things in our life, there are people right now who if they'll accept this journey, they're, they're going to find things in their life that, that I'm convinced that, God, you're going to tell them they've got to give that up. You're gonna, you're, I'm convinced there are going to be people that you're going to tell them they've got to forgive that person. They've got to make amends with that person. There's going to be all kinds of difficult things on this journey. But, Lord, I pray that at the outset of it, we would face with open eyes the opportunity not only to be transformed into the image of Jesus, but, Father, to realize that we would live lives that matter, that produce fruit for eternity. Lord, I pray as a church that looking back from one year to the next, we would say that we as a church have been transformed just even one or two or three degrees more in Christ-likeness. Father, that would be enough for us. Lord, I, I pray for those who even now are debating uh, what they'll do. Lord, I pray that they, would, that they would take this challenge and that they would follow after you. And, and Lord, for all of us, uh, that the prize might not be accomplishing a goal or checking off some boxes, but that you would be our prize. And Father, we pray this in the powerful name of the one who gave us the invitation to come and follow him, even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.